The loons. The loons. They're welcoming us back. Oh, look, I've spotted the loons. Oh. The loons. They've come around to say goodbye. I like the loons. Happy New Year, everybody. This is episode 29. Welcome to the Brews Traveler, exploring the craft beer scene across North America, one craft brewery at a time. And now here's your host, the man who gets more MPP, that's miles per pint, than anybody, Alan Tatman. Thank you, Jessica, and hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brews Traveler and our last episode of our inaugural year, 2018. I am your host, Alan Tapman, and I'll be here with you for a little while. And this week on The Bruce Traveler, freelance journalist Tony Rehagen and I are going to tell you about the five favorite breweries that each of us visited in 2018. We did some parameters because I'll tell you what, every brewery we went to this year was fantastic. Everybody was great. So we kind of put some parameters. We narrowed it down. And it was like, okay, it's got to fit into this. And we'll talk about that when we get to that point of the show. Uh, and then uh, for your interview this week, I sat down in uh, Pennsylvania here a few weeks ago with Travis Sherry of the Extra Pack of Peanuts podcast. And if, you ha- or if you're not familiar with Extra Pack of Peanuts and you haven't listened to it, you need to. It's one of the best travel podcasts on iTunes. It's absolutely fantastic. And Travis uh, is a font of knowledge about how to get to places you want to go to in the most affordable way. And his lovely wife, Heather, and their young son, Wit, they were so gracious to open their home to me and share a couple of days talking about travel and breweries and beer. And it was just a great, great visit. So that's coming up first. But before I get into that, let me ask you for a favor. First, please share all of our social media content if you're getting that. And if you're not getting it, it's really easy. We're on Facebook and Instagram. I know some of you don't like Facebook. Some of you don't like Instagram. But if you do, help us out. Share that uh, content that we put up there. Please share that with your friends. Another thing, go over to iTunes if you haven't done it yet. I'll, I'll wait. Just pull it up. Okay, you got it up on your, uh, on your phone, your podcast app on your Apple? If you don't have an, uh, an Apple phone and you've got like uh, an Android or a PC, well, go to, de- go to iTunes on uh, your computer, whatever you need to do. Go on there, find the Bruce Traveler, give us a five-star review, and please... Tell us what you liked in the review about 2018 and the first year of the Bruce Traveler. It would be so greatly appreciated, and it would be of so much help to us. And uh, that's it. I just want to ask you, you know, I know if you guys enjoy the show and you want to help us out, do a little promotion for us. Uh, You've done great, a lot of you, and uh, I really appreciate everything you've done for me. So... Or us, I should say, because that's not just me. There are other people in the background that are doing work. And it's been, like I said, it's been a great year. Really appreciate your support. If you could just do these little things, share us, follow us, and tell your friends 
all about the Bruise Traveler podcast. Well, that's enough of that. So let's get on with it. Here it is, Travis Sherry of Extra Pack of Peanuts. This is your interview of the week. Hello, everybody. I am in Douglasville, Pennsylvania, at my friend Travis Sherry's favorite brewery in the whole world, and, and well, in the United States at least, and he's been to 143 of them, and I am honored and privileged to be sitting here with the one and only from Extra Pack of Peanuts podcast, Travis Sherry. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. Of course I'm doing fantastic. Cheers. Because we're here at Uh, Hidden River. This is really cool. This is a really cool place. I mean, I researched it this afternoon, and I found out, you know, this place was built by, it was started by one of William Penn's contemporaries back in the late 1600s as a farm. Yeah, I, the one thing, the reason that this is my favorite brewery in, brewery in the U.S., and I, I will say in the world because cause it is, um, a few reasons. One, the beer is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So we're drinking a Crazy Goods Passion Fruit Sour IPA right now. Yep, which, and it doesn't taste like it's 7.2%. No. That's what I love, right? Yeah. 7%, well, I mean, maybe I don't love it the next morning, but uh, it's 7%, goes down really smooth. So the beer is absolutely fantastic. You need that if you if you want right. a good brewery, right? Right. But I like the story behind it. I love the setting. These guys are about three years old. They've grown phenomenally in the last three years. First time I came, they only had the one little room in the front open. Now they've expanded. But cool story, cool building, really nice people, great beer, good food. And and to me, if you hit all of those things, you're you're in contention to be a really good brewery because a lot of them will do one or two things right. Well, that's good. That's what I want to know. I mean, a lot of people that I know in the beer geek community they judge everything strictly on the quality of the beer it's it doesn't matter what the tap the tap room can be right nothing in a garage which actually is usually actually kind of cool right but but some some people do it right some people don't but i'm kind of like you i like when they've repurposed a historical building into something that well because i come from the historic preservation background They've repurposed this into something that is vibrant, and it is uh, it, it's it's it pertains to today, right? It's not a museum, right? Right, and and I agree. So when we do our favorite brewery podcast, and we just released, you know, we did one four years ago, and I what was did, interesting. And you did the last one in September. In September right. 2018, and before that, it was September of 2014. And actually, when we did our first one, I specifically said. I am not a beer nerd, and I I, sur- I was not at all then. I just said, I know what I like, but I don't know it. I can't like speak eloquently on beer. I don't right. even know why I like certain yeah. beers. Whatever, and four years ago was a long time ago in the craft beer scene overall. So, you know, as that's grown, so is my appreciation for it. But even back then in 2014 when we did our show, I said, this is a ranking of the brewery. So th- so the rules were we had to be at the actual tap room. So I couldn't say, like, oh, I really love Lagunitas beer, but... I've never been in a tap room. So it was a ranking of everything that went into a tap room. Right. If you're breaking it down, and this is, you know, obviously very fluid, 70, 75% of it has to be the beer. If you don't have good beer, well, all right, all right well, what's the point? That is Jarrett Babinsack with Santa Fe Brewing told me when I started this project. He said, in this day and age, 
you better make good beer because that's the price of admission. If you can't make good beer, you're not going to be around very long. Right, right. And I and I totally agree. So you have, you know, so beer is the overwhelming majority of it, of course. But I think there's so much more that goes into breweries, and that's one of the reasons we like traveling, right, is this idea of seeing new things, seeing how certain countries act in certain ways, what the people are like for right. ourselves. So a brewery is like a little microcosm of that. All right, how do they set up their taps? How is their food? Do they have food? You know, what's what are the personalities like? like you go into someone's brewery, and it is, it's a reflection of, of something that they want to create. And so that's why I think just rating something on beer alone, I think it sells some of these places short because when you go in, you, you have a feeling. You know, even before you sit down and get a beer, you walk into a brewery or you drive up to it, you see what it looks like from the outside. You walk in, you get a sense right away of what it's like, what are the clientele like. Then you have the beer. So I think I think it does sell it short when you just talk about beer. And that's why I say it's about the experience. Beer is a big part of it, but not the end-all and be-all. And that's one of the reasons, you know, all my top ten breweries make killer beer. So it's, it's almost yeah. hard sometimes to say what is better because you're, you're not sitting there tasting them next to each other either. But you remember, like, it's, it's the... It's the nostalgia, it's the memories of those places. It, and I think it's a sensory thing. I mean, the beer is going to taste good, but when you go to a place like this, you're like, wow, this is really neat. And me being a history nerd, I mean, to think that the original building, now this has been very, very built up over the last 300 years, right? But there's originally, inside here, there's a farmhouse that was built by some of the first settlers to Chester County yep. during when Pennsylvania was a colony. Right. And then, of course, over time it was expanded. The house was expanded. And this, anybody that knows anything about historical architecture, this is a typical thing. And by, the, by prohibition, it was owned by a family, and they turned it into kind of a speakeasy lodge for their rich friends to come to and drink during prohibition and I the story is just really neat and and now I can say after having one of their beers the beer is good yeah and and I think that is it, it does it plays this huge role like when I bring friends to to our area you know mm-hmm. they come out to the area like what's your favorite breweries and we name some off but I say to them like if you got to get to Hidden River. Now, they're only open Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at this point, right? So limited That might hours. change, though. Might change, um, and, they're, and they are expanding their capacity. But, I, you know, to me, it is about that experience. And, and when I bring someone here, it is more of an experience than some of the other places that you can go. Right. I'm sitting here right now. We're here. We're, it, this is like the it would be the old sitting room in, the, in at the time. You know, it's yeah. there's a library. There's there's a there's a, a shelf of books along the wall, a bookcase. There's a fireplace with a real fire in it. Uh, it's Christmas time, so there are uh, stockings hung by the chimney with care. And uh, the folks that are here are studying the beer menu. I, so like, you know, that tells me that. Okay, they've they know that there's new things and different things, and you were telling me that they generally don't do the same, same beer. Yeah, so I, they're about three years old, and up until recently, they had never brewed the same beer twice. Now I've, I've talked to the guys who work here. I mean, some of that uh, they have a small system, right? Uh, small small barrel system. So, seven barrels, right? Yeah, I yeah. think it was three, and now they're upgrading right. to seven, and. Um, 
you know, and, and so the first time I came here, I knew none of this. I just showed up. Right. It was only me and my wife and, and two cops from Douglasville. And this was, they had opened like two months before that. Right. And I found it on Untapped. I was telling you, I was on the app. And I was like, Hidden River, I've never heard of that. Where is it? We drove by it four times, didn't see it, because this old lodge is oh, set I know. back from I, the road. I, if I had been, been tooling down this road that I don't know in the middle of the night, yeah, I would have... Yeah, you never would have found it. I, I still drive by. Right. I've probably been here 50 times, right. and there are times right. I drive by it. Right. But we, we showed up, and they, I was actually shocked because they had like 12 taps on it. And again, I had never heard of this place. Right. So we started talking to them, and they're like, yeah, we do all types of beers, too. That's what I like. I mean, obviously, I, I love my hazy IPAs. I really love the sour IPAs they do here. I think that's what that, they do better than delicious. anything else. That, was, I, that evaporated. Uh, yeah, I love, exactly. I love sours themselves, but I, you know, they do stouts, they do porters, they do they do kind of experimental stuff. They do saisons, they'll do kind of wild yeast stuff. They do all types of cool beers, so I like that they have 12, 15 taps and as much as I love hazy IPAs and I love other half in New York in, in Brooklyn, but you go and they have 20 taps and there's 18 hazy IPAs and they're all awesome and they're all different, but you know, you're, it's just, it's they're, a different feeling when you can come and say, Hey, why don't we try the Porter tonight? Right. Because it's a little cold right. and, and you know, I'm not always going to get a Porter, but I, I like that they have the option. I have seen two models of breweries as I've been traveling around the country and stopping in at these places. One of them, one model is, okay, we know that we do this particular style very well. Maybe we do the, the English style ales very well, or we do hop forward ales very well, and they will then diversify that portfolio, but it's all really the same category. Right. They're just a little different. Right. And then the other guys, like there's this one brewery in Omaha called Infusion Brewing. These guys they will try anything they made a blonde ale and they used gummy worms in it and it was it, it, they, it was like a Belgian wit I, I call it a blonde ale it was a Belgian wit and they made it with gummy bears and it was fantastic yeah. you know yeah and so you've got these two models one is okay we know we do this well let's do these kinds of beer and the other one is hey like like dogfish head like Sam it's like Let's try it. Let's, let's make try. let's make a breakfast beer with Scrapple. Right, you know? right. If you guys don't know what Scrapple is, that, yeah. it's a Philly favorite there. But um, I, and I'm with you, and I like that here at Hidden River specifically, they will always have three, four, five IPAs on, and they'll be different. Right. You know, so they, they they will do a few West Coast style, not not predominantly. It's usually the more New England, the more juicy IPAs, but they'll right. have a few of them on. They've, they've really rocked out on the sour IPAs, right. which I think is the style they excel at more than anywhere else I've been. That so was the, a good one. Yeah, that, so the, it was a passion fruit sour yep. IPA. Yep. And which, yeah, it was really it, good. They are fantastic at the sour IPAs to the point whenever I drink sour IPA anywhere else, I, right. I usually am disappointed. But yeah. so, but they, they, they'll always have those, and those are my go tos, and that's right. fine. Now, we mentioned they don't do the same beer twice, but they will have the same style of beers. Right. So, you know, coming here, all right. I, I might try something new. All right, I'm not a big Saison drinker, right? But if they have like a blueberry Saison, let me give it a whirl after I've had two IPAs. Sure. Or, you know, I do like their porters, so I might have a few IPAs and like finish with a porter, something like that. So I like that they have three, four, five that I know I'm going to love, even if they're different beers because I've never had them before, but I like the style. And yet, then I can try something right. new too. Or if my mom comes and she wants like, you know, a lager or, or a pilsner. They'll have I, one I saw, I saw they had a couple They'll of have pilsners. one or, or yeah. two, right? So, yeah. 
Well, you know, our glasses are empty. Why don't we take a break right now yeah. and go get some we, we more We can't beer. record more and without then we'll, another And then we'll pick it up from here. And so we're back from the bar, and this time we have a hazy New England-style IPA with secrets. And the, the gimmick that the bar, the beer tender made us, uh, she, before you could get one, you had to tell her a deep and dark secret. Yeah, and apparently your deepest and darkest. Like, right. at first she said, tell me a secret. I thought, okay. And then she said, it has to be your deepest and darkest secret. And so. I am not going to tell you what my secret was, nor am I going to tell you what Trav's was, but hers was... She made out with a girl. Yeah. And now she's in trouble. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we All got right. to learn a secret. Yes, we did. We got to drink a, we are drinking a fantastic uh, it's beer. Very nice. And I do, I like that gimmick. I mm. think she made it up on the spot, which Maybe is she did. good for her. Good for her. You know what? And that's another thing about coming to these places is that it seems like if you go to a craft brewery and the employees are not having a good time, eh, don't stay there. Because that's one of the things that I love about this industry is the fact that people genuinely enjoy their work. I 100% agree that that even to me, it's almost more fun to visit a brewery than drink the beer. I, you know, I like the beer, mm -hmm. obviously, but I, as we go back and we, I know we're hitting this point over and over, but it's the experience and some of that is. is you're around people who love right. what they're doing right. so much. And you, right. you know, there are other industries like that, but they're pretty few and far you know, between. It's it's rare you go to a brewery right. and you find people, if you're talking to brewers or people working at, who right. don't enjoy it, they're all super excited about their new beer and telling you about it and you know having you drink it. It's it's you know, fun. It's a when, cool industry. When I was when I was young, like when I was in college, and then shortly a few years after that. You know, one of the things was, let's go find a cool bar, you know? And people kind of collected in their memory with their buddies and friends, oh, this bar's great, that bar sucks. And now I think that here we are 30-plus years later, and I think that the tap room for breweries has become the the surrogate for that. I, I agree. I think that that is what I love. And that's why we make an effort to visit so many breweries. It's not, you know, there are times, like people say to me, well, why don't you just go back? Like, why don't you go to Hidden River all the time? You know the beer is awesome. You love it there. It's your favorite brewery. Right. Why don't you just keep coming here? And, and of course, we, I, you know, I come here quite a bit, and I have quite a bit of my money. I have quite a bit of their beer. But it's because I do love experiencing these new things, and I do think that even if I go somewhere and the beer is worse than maybe my favorite brewery, I usually leave at least with an opinion of it. And usually it's a positive opinion. You know, sometimes right. you're like, oh, I'm not going to go back to that brewery. But it is because it's a, a brewery is such a labor of love. I mean, outside of maybe a few of the big, big, big name breweries, when you go to a brewery, it's probably one or two or five at max people's, like, life passions. Mm -hmm. and, and, like, something that they've been gunning for for years and years and years. Right. And to sit in that and to experience it is a pretty neat thing. It is. I mean, and, and you are... You are a part of that because without you coming there to drink their product, they don't they don't have that. You, you're part of the experience, and and I think that's why I love going and supporting local craft brewers. Is that you know, hey, if I'm going to pay six seven dollars for a beer, you know, which back in you know 10, 15 years ago people would laugh at, but I, I don't mind it, and I think that's one of the the really cool things I like about how things are kind of taking off right. in the last 10, right. 15 years. You can call it, oh, because of millennials or whatever you want to say. But people open good restaurants, and, and 
other people will pay more to help support that business. Right. People will open breweries. People will pay more to right. support that business. Right. Same with like little niche shops and things like that. People want to support small local businesses and they'd rather give an extra 10, 15% to that local business right. than to go to a regular big bar and pay five bucks for a or, beer. Or go to say one of the big big breweries and, sure. and take their tour. Right. You know, they're very corporate, very buttoned down. Yep. You know, I mean, and the, having worked in the corporate world, uh, I like the creativity of independence. You know, I mean, it's like most of these people, they come to this, they're looking to find their own niche. Any of us that are self-employed. Right, with, both with, of us, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, it's the same thing. I mean, it's like you find what you're passionate about and then you gravitate towards that. Speaking of that, let's put beer on the sideboard here for a minute. How did you get into the economy travel game? And now, you guys that don't know Travis, he has been described by one of his critics, a good critic, as the Rick Steves for the next generation. So how did you get involved in this? Yeah, so it really just came out of, like we talked about, people who like beer end up opening breweries. I like travel. And so I thought, well, what can I do in the travel industry to, to create a job for myself, to create a business? And, you know, and there aren't really many options that, that I wanted to do other than do something for myself. So long, long story short, high school history teacher, went and did a master's in Switzerland, lived in Switzerland for four See, and months. And that's another thing I didn't know we had in yeah, common. Yeah. Like we're both history and, majors. And yeah. I loved teaching, but I hated waking up early. I hated teaching subjects that I didn't really care about. I just kind of cared about. And I hated someone telling me what to teach. Right. But I like the idea of, of teaching something new. So I went, I lived in Switzerland for four months, and that was the first time that I had lived abroad versus just traveled. And that was a totally different experience, and it was one I wanted to recreate. Came home from that, I was about 27, said to my wife, hey, uh, do you want to teach English abroad? Like, do you want to go for a year and, and do like live somewhere else? Right. She said yes. Uh, we ended up going to Japan and teaching in Japan for two years. And it was at that point that when we were living in Japan, we had traveled a little bit, but not a lot. But I knew that I wanted to keep traveling and I knew I didn't have a ton of money. I was on a teacher's right. salary. So it, it, it kind of led me down this rabbit hole. I probably Googled cheap flights, how to, how to get cheap flights. And I started learning about frequent flyer miles. And that opened up a whole new ball game to me because I spent about five, six months really, I mean, out like diving into the nerdiest Maybe not the nerdiest forums online, but but some of the nerdiest. You know, people talking about like hotel points and credit card points. It's, right. it's you know, you're not really hanging out with a cool crowd at that point, except they were getting free travel. Right. So I, I like was it was like learning a new language. I started uncovering all these tricks and tips to, to do that, and uh, that's what started our first site, Extra. And you, you start you started that after you came back from Japan. I started when I was in Japan. In Japan. So January okay. 2012, okay. I started our site, and it was really because I was learning this information. And again, from a teacher background, I was probably on a scale of knowledge a three out of ten. Right? I spent six months learning it. I knew a little bit about how to get free flights, but not everything. I was probably a three out of ten. But I knew there was a lot of people who were zeros out of 10, like I was six months before. Mm -hmm. And everything that was out there online was for people who were like eights and nines out of tens. Like they were talking well above everyone's head. Right. So I thought, all right, well, I'm just going to start a site that 
that dummies it down because I am dumb about it right now. I, I'm only a three, but let me talk to the zeros and ones. <laughs> and that's a big misconception. People think they can't teach something. You only have to be smarter than the people you're teaching. You don't have to be the number one Bingo. expert in the world, right? <laughs> yeah. You're never going to be the number one expert in the world on anything. Well, so, it, it, but like me in Ireland, myself in Ireland, I mean, most of the, pe the people that go on my tours, they think I know everything. Right. But I might be a three, yeah, really, yeah, in right. Irish I mean, history. Yeah. There's always going to be someone who knows more, but right. but that's not, the point isn't that. The point is that you're, and if someone does, the thing that I've learned, if someone is an expert, like a true expert, and they are a 10 out of 10, they have a hard time teaching a 0 out of 10 because they don't even... They can't relate to that. They don't even remember what it was like to not like, know it. Like Teddy Williams was one of the best hitters ever, but he couldn't coach because yeah. he couldn't... He, Nobody could understand. What right, because about. his, you know, his um, hand-eye reflexes right. are so much higher. He's like, oh, no, just swing at the oh, bat. You did, You're yeah. like, yeah, well. You center the ball up. Sure. And so, the guy's like, oh, I can't do that. I can't do it. Yeah. So I, long story short, I started teaching people freaking fly miles. And that's where our extra pack of peanuts site came about in January 2012. We moved back from Japan, August 2012. And I started thinking... How can I make this into a business? Because I, I knew I liked teaching it. I knew people wanted the information. I didn't have a business background. I didn't know anything about online, tech, websites, anything. But I knew that that was, if I was going to do something on my own, it was going to be in that realm of, of cheaper travel. Right. I just didn't know how. And, you know, I, over the next six years, and I'm still figuring it out to some degree, but... You know, you just, you start teaching yourself that. And, right. and it comes from that passion. I mean, a lot of brewers who are starting breweries, they might know how to brew. They probably don't know how to run a tap room. They don't know how to do the books. You don't know how to do everything when you start, but you say, hey, I'm going to start, and then I'm going to start figuring it out or surround myself with people who already know it, who right. can do it or teach me. So that's how we kind of got into it. Well, and I, I was watching a documentary at your, at your house this afternoon while you were out playing basketball. <laughs> Uh, about Walt Disney and you know he started out he could draw he knew he could draw and he told his dad when he was like a teenager I'm gonna be an artist and I mean that's how it started that's, that's how simple Disney started you know is this one man had a dream I wanted to be he wanted to do this thing it's how many different franchises have you got now like I mean, you're you've got you've got the podcast, yep. you've got the blog, yep. you've got the newsletter. What else have you got going so, on? So so here's how we yeah to kind of take where we left off in the story and, and finish it to the end of where we are today. We started the the site Extra Pack of Peanuts in January 2012. Started writing. It was all written content about frequent flyer miles. That then has grown into more, it's still about frequent flyer miles, but it, it's more general travel, destination based as well. But it's everything that comes around helping people travel cheaper, better, or more authentically. We kind of say, uh, the tagline that we use is like, helping people find their sweet spot between cost, convenience, and comfort. Because I used to stay in $2 a night hostels in Thailand. Not much to my wife's chagrin, but we did it, right? right. But now... I'm not going to do that. A, I have more money. B, I know what that experience is like, right. and I don't want to do it again. And and there's just, you know, C, we've, we've found other ways that, like, hey, that was okay, but it certainly didn't lead to a, a, right. a great experience on the other end. So, so we help people find that sweet spot. And for some people, it is the super budget. For other people, it's it's more luxury than we travel in. Right. It's, but everyone's different. So we have we have the blog. We have the podcast, and that's been going strong now for five and a half years, so we're like 350 episodes in, 
And again, that's again, general travel. Well, we talk a little bit about frequent fire miles and cheap travel, but it's a lot of interviews with really fun, interesting travel people. For right. me, selfishly, I started it because I wanted to interview people who I didn't know how I would get to talk to otherwise. I'm like, oh, that's a cool story. This person's interesting. How can I get him to talk to me? Uh, maybe I tell him I have a podcast and they'll come on it. And I my t- my pitch to anyone to come on the podcast. Don't tell them, don't tell them that our Here, secrets. Well, here's the, here's the pitch. I just say to them, you want to come and talk about yourself for an hour? Who's going to turn you down? I'm like, you don't have to prepare. You don't have to do anything. Come and tell me your story for an hour. Right. That's it. And, and, you know, we've been able to get all types of guests on. So that's fun. So we have the blog and podcast at Extra Pack of Peanuts and the Extra Pack of Peanuts podcast. So that's one realm. What happened was we started traveling. We started helping people travel. And, Alan, what what are the two reasons that people always tell you and always tell me that they can't travel? Like when they're like, oh, I'd love to travel, but what are those reasons? But, well, I mean, for me, for years, it was I can't take time away from business. Right. I can't take time away from my job. Right. I don't have any I don't have the extra income yeah so it's I mean, yeah, yeah it's time and money, and money. That's so it. we were helping them with the money section right. but then people were coming back from like a two week vacation be like this was amazing right. no one comes back and they call this sucked it's like this was amazing but I'm, I'm back at work right travel why do you get to take more trips like why do you get to continuously travel and I you know I knew what I was doing but in your head you kind of don't I, I just tell them like well I can do everything I, right. I want to do online I right. work on the internet so that's how I'm able to do it. And people started asking me, well, can you teach me? I'm like, again, going back to the like, knowing nothing, I'm like, uh, I'm telling them, like, guys, I don't really know what I'm doing. Right. But I know more than them. So that started our second company, which, which is a community based around helping people build location-independent businesses. And that's called Location Indie. And the, the goal of that, it's like, it's kind of the people who travel and then want to take travel to another level. Right. Because they say... I don't want a vacation. I want travel to be a huge part of, part of my life. life. Right. I want to go where I want to go, when I want to go. Right. And that spawned this this community that we built, and we run a lot of projects around that to help people build businesses or take their own skills to freelance, whatever it is, right. so that they can be location independent and they can, they can live anywhere, work anywhere, travel anywhere that they want. And, you, you know... People ask me all the time, well, you know, oh, Mr. Traveling, you're all the time. See, like, I was I was home I was home for six weeks straight, which that was this last, before I came here to see you. I was home for six weeks straight, and people coming by the pub, and they're like, oh, Mr. Travel, yeah, where, where are you at? Well, I actually have been home for six weeks. Yeah, you know? dirty little uh, secret. Uh, I, I, if I want another beer, I have to tell a secret. I We've been home for, like... Almost two months now. Right. So I, I'm with you. I feel, uh, and it's good to be home. But at times. you know, yeah, it is, and I, I love our, uh, I love being home. I love Marilee doesn't like to travel as much as I do, but here she likes to travel, and when she does, when we do travel, she likes to go to see nice things, nice places. I mean, but one of the things that people don't understand is that you have to make an adjustment in your lifestyle. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, you, I know from having seen your home, you're like we've we we have older houses and yep. we've put work into them rather than going out and buying a McMansion. We drive modest cars. Yep. yep. You know we. I mean, you have you have a you have a baby, so I mean that's another thing. But but you just have to prioritize. What do you want to spend your money on? Well, and here's an interesting anecdote uh, because you know I teach people, hey, lead this unconventional life. You can do it, but. Sometimes it's hard to look inward, right? Right. So we were in Japan until uh, August 2012. And then we like to say we were pretty much nomadic for two years. 
you know, we've come home to Philadelphia, but our house that we live in now was, that I own, was rented out. So when we came home, we were staying with Heather's sister, with my parents, you know, it was, it was not the most glamorous situation. But we also were traveling quite a bit. We came home August 2014, two months after, or two years after we had left Japan. And my wife said to me, Heather said, uh, she was like, we need a home base. Like, I'm, we're moving back into the house that we own. I need a home base. I can't keep doing this. And I was 100% against this idea because there was a lot of thoughts going through my head. One, I'm known as a traveler. Like, if I have a home, like, I mean, doesn't that just blow my whole cover, right? Like, what right. do you mean have a home well, base? I bet Rick Steves you know? has a house. Yeah, yeah. they all do. I mean, people, everyone does, right? But in my head, it was this idea, I'm a traveler. The other thing was like, well, okay, now we have to cover a $1,300 a month mortgage. Like, how are we going to do that? All these things. So I was completely against it, but she, I mean, she basically drew a line in the sand that was like, I'm moving into that house, right. so you can keep traveling, but I'm having a home right. base. Within three days of being home, I said to her, I'm like, you are so right. right. This is the best decision we right. could make. We can figure out how to right. make this mortgage. And so what do we start doing? When we were away, we'd Airbnb our house. Now, we don't anymore because we have a kid and you know right. our house is set up a different way. But it was funny that in my head, for my own life, I wasn't taking the, 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 the teachings that I was telling other people. Like, I wasn't saying, oh, well, we own a house, but when we're away, can't we just Airbnb it? Like, it took me a few months right. to get to that. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there thinking, this is the best of both worlds. Right. I just didn't see it for myself. And so you have to prioritize travel, but you also have to think like, think a little bit outside of the norm. Right. I mean, you, you can stay at the most beautiful places, see the most beautiful things, stay in the nicest hotels that you can think of, go on Viking cruise ships like we have. But there's something about coming back home to your own easy chair, your own shower, your own bed, your touchstone, your base. And I have found that most of my friends who are now my age, 30, mm-hmm. 30s, like mid-30s, um, similar type people, entrepreneurs who, like like me, were kind of traveling the world and out and about, right. almost every single person, I think it's just cycles of life, every single person has now, now has a home base. They're like, hey, I want a home base. I still want to travel. But I want the comforts of my own place. Right. Some of that's to build a business. Like I can get a lot more done when I'm at home than when I'm on the road. That makes sense. I have my own setup. I have my own office. Whatever. I got so. so much work done this afternoon. Just, but it was nice. You guys, you know, you said, okay, here's your room, here's your desk. You, I got so much work done that I wouldn't, have, if I'd have been staying in a motel somewhere, right? I wouldn't have got it done. Yeah, or on the road, right. or out visiting a new country because you would have been like, I need to sightsee and see everything, right? right? We. I passed up on Valley Forge today. <laughs> There you go. But that just gives me an excuse to come back. An excuse to come back. So, yeah, I just think it's thinking outside the box, and it is that idea that you can create the life you want, and and it will change. And your travel style will change, too. I have skewed now more, I say more luxury. My wife would completely laugh at that, but it is more luxury than a two-bed. Well, a two-dollar, yeah. I mean, I had nowhere to go but up at that point. So, $2 a night in Thailand? And it was for a private room. So the $1 a night dorm room was actually, so here, here's the story with that. We walk in, this is our first backpacking trip ever. We're in Japan. We fly to Kuala Lumpur first. We spend three days there in a hostel. It was okay. We go to Thailand. We land in Chiang Mai, get out of the airport. We get in the tuk-tuk. He takes us to, to this hostel. It had great reviews, great reviews, but it was super cheap. So we got to, two, we had one private room. It was $2 a night. So we walk in. 
And Lady's like, oh, how are you? Like, you know, we have the private room. She's like, okay. So we walk up the first flight of stairs, and then there's like a landing to then go up to the second floor. And there's people sleeping in sleeping bags on the landing, of the, uh, you know, between the flights. So she's like, oh, she's like stepping over them. I'm like, okay, hey, we were stepping over these people who were sleeping. Did, it, did Heather just like kind of well, have a I mild think we were, panic attack? I think we were just both like, what's going on? So then we get up to the room. No joke. I mean, you know, you see in cartoons with like springs coming out of the mattress. Like yeah, that, that, you only see it in cartoons. Well, I've seen it in real life. There were legitimately springs coming out of the mattress. The shower didn't work. Um, it, 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 like there was like stains on the bed sheet, all this oh. stuff. So long story short, oh. Oh. what I learned was okay. So that was a two dollar private room, which we stayed in for one night, and then Heather made me move somewhere else. And I felt so bad. I I didn't even tell the lady we were moving. I and I obviously didn't ask for my money back. I just like I didn't want to tell her it was bad. But the one dollar a night dorm was the landing of the stairs. Right. Like people had paid a dollar just basically to sleep on the stairs. Wow. So. So I'm a little more luxury than that. But the point is your, your travel style and, right. and, and, and what you want out of life will change. And for a long time I fought that because I thought I had to be a certain way. And then I realized, no, you don't. Like you're creating your own lifestyle so that when you do want something different, you change with it. Right. But it was, a, in a weird way, a hard lesson to learn. So your franchise here, what, what uh, new things do you have coming down the road? Yeah, so we, we, we have, obviously we have the podcast and, and we have the site uh, at Extra Pack of Peanuts. We have the Location Indie site, which continues to grow. We're probably going to do, we're doing like conferences, so like small retreats with members. And then we're also probably, hopefully, September 2019, doing a, a conference for the public about this idea of location independence right. and, and how can we help you do it, how can we teach you to do that, probably in Philadelphia, uh, my hometown. And then we just launched a new app called Jetto, and that app gets you cheap flights. So essentially, we call it the app for the spontaneous traveler, right? Because some You get last-minute alerts. Yeah, right. So some people are like, oh, I want to go Philly to London. They go to Kayak, and they look that up. And fine, they have a specific date, and they need to get a flight. Great. For us, what we do is you pick the airports that you want to leave out of. So Philly, New York, Boston, whatever. And when a good deal comes out, so think 40 or 50% off a regular price, you get an alert and it might say Philly to Zagreb, Croatia. So you're looking at it, you're like, well, I didn't plan on going there, but oh my gosh, I can get a $335 ticket there. This is pretty cool. So for example, I just booked from our own app, which is a pretty fun experience. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, you have your own app and you book from it um, to Croatia. 335 bucks round trip so we're going in may 2019 yeah so so it's it's this idea like you don't pick where you're going but you get these alerts and one might pique your interest one might be so cheap iceland for 200 bucks you're just like cool let's make it work right i will tell you this about going to iceland for 200 bucks (laughs) once you get there everything is like four times as expensive as Ireland, and yeah. Ireland's not cheap. Right, you've you, been there. Yeah, you step off the plane in Iceland, and you've spent two hundred bucks. Right, right. Uh, you know already, but yeah. So, it, so I'm really excited about that app because for a while, people have always said to me like, "Trav, you know, it, it's it's really for people who just have wanderlust." And and again, like right. I don't take. We've had, I think we looked it up the other day. I think we've had two thousand five hundred deals or something since the app launched eight months ago. I've taken advantage of one of them, right? Myself, who has a lot of flexibility. Right. So it's not like you're going to take advantage of every deal. But, you know, they come in. We have a ton of people who email us. They're like, I love the app. 
just for, like, it'll come in and it'll get me thinking about travel. Right. Oh, I could go to Kigali, Rwanda? Oh my gosh, where is that? And they'll look it up and they'll see that they can go to the Silverback Gorillas. And so, even if you don't wow. take advantage of it, it's just, it's this idea that we want people to, to A, get cheap flights, but B, kind of see all the amazing places that they could go that they might not think about. So... Listening, listening to you here, what you did was you found something that you loved. Yeah. And then you found out what, what, where are their gaps in this and how can they be filled? And now you're teaching that to other people. In a, in a very clean cut way, that is what I did. If yeah. I wish when I started six years ago, I was as uh, on the ball as that. But yes, it, essentially that's what we did. Um, it just was a lot of, you know, how it is when you're doing your own thing. Ups and downs and figuring and, it out along yeah, the way. But, yeah, absolutely. you look at, say, and say, what are people asking me about? Like, everyone comes to me and says, I'm not an expert in anything. I'm like, what are, what are people asking for? Like, what do your friends come to you right. and say, hey, can you help me with this? Maybe right. it's stringing a, a guitar. Maybe it's uh, building a bookcase. Who knows, right? Like, usually when people are asking about something, it means that you know more than them, and it means you have a skill. And so, for me, it is... It's been this, how do people find cheaper travel? How do people build businesses and lifestyles that allow them to travel more? And so we've just started to continue to build products and services that help them do that. I want to say that one of the things that I love about your podcast, and I haven't, I'll be honest, I haven't read your blog, but I listen to your podcast. That's fine. We, we record a lot more than we write. Right. <laughs> at um, this point. And I'm, I'm the same way. I'm terrible about my blog. I mean, it's like, yeah. But, I'd much rather talk than sit right, down and write. It, yeah, it's more fun. I think it's obvious. Especially when you have beer to drink. Right. But um, I have learned, not only have I learned a lot from listening to you, talk to your guest, and you and Heather and your conversations about places, you, and you've kind of, and I know Marilee now is listening to you. I turned her on to you. Well, I appreciate the love, man. Right. Every and person matters. she, one of the things that, you know, I mean, when you get a partner that likes to do the same things that you do, that's that's everything in the world. It but, is. But not only you, you given me lots of ideas, you, you guys are very entertaining. It's 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 a it's one it's a great podcast. Well, and I think our whole goal is, a, you know, there's like three main goals. One is to always have fun with what we're doing. You know. I, I'm not going to lie and tell you every single step of building a business is fun. And you can listen to our Location Indie podcast. And I, I actually get kind of – my buddy who's, who's my co-host here is always like, I feel like it's a therapy session for you. But it's because I don't want people to think everything is fun and always easy. So I kind of take the other right. side and say, here's all the shit that's happened. Like, here's all the obstacles you have to go to. But – you know, one of our goals is always, always trying to have fun with what we do. If you're, if you're creating this lifestyle, but it's not fun for you, then why are you even bothering? Like, there's a lot of jobs you and things you could do that would be easier and mm -hmm. probably pay you well or, or make you more stable that if you're not enjoying the lifestyle that you have, what's the point? And as we're talking here, the party has arrived. That's right. And you know what? We're both out of beer. But anyway, let's one just finish it up, Travis. Tell, tell everybody... One thing, and then we'll get out of here. I, I, I think if I had one thing to impart is that if people do want to travel more, and if they are someone who says, like, hey, the lifestyle I'm in is, feels kind of boxed in, right. there's a lot of ways to go about changing that, mm -hmm. and so few people do it because they're scared, because they, 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 they get stuck in this rut. And I can tell you from, from experience it wasn't easy, but I, there's nothing I would rather do than get to travel, get to run our own business. 
Well, you're doing a great job. I, I'm really impressed. And Heather and you and uh, Whit have been just <laughs> wonderful, wonderful hosts. And uh, when are you guys coming to Missouri? I, you know, we've never been there. So I would put that pretty high on the list. Now, right. I mean, we have a bar we can visit in Missouri. We have a bar. We have a bar and a place to stay. I don't, I don't think there's anything else we need I want to show. World. I want to show you the uh, Ozark National Scenic Riverways. We'll get we'll get with a life jacket. I, I've watched a ton of Ozark on Netflix. Oh no! And I know I know no, that no. I know that's filmed in Georgia, so no worries. Well, they but, do uh, the aerial shots. That is Lake of the Ozarks. Okay. No, we're going to go further south than that. That's cool. So. I, I you know me. I love exploring. I right. love authentic experiences, and uh, I'd love to have one in Missouri. So well, thanks, sooner rather than later. Thanks so much for taking time, and and thanks thanks for being a great host while I've been here in the Philadelphia area. I really appreciate it. Hey, I if someone's willing to buy me a few beers and a few meals I mean they there you don't you even go. have to be willing to do that to well, stay in our you house get, you, but gave, hey. you gave me a room for yeah. two nights so, so cheers, cheers and thank right. you and that's it thanks again to Travis and Heather they are wonderful people and I met some of their friends while I was there I still have yet to meet the famous David Napkins and any of you who listen to Extra Pack of Peanuts You'll know who that is. Uh, I've got to go back because I've got to meet Napkins. There's just no way around it. This guy is like, he's an, he is a cult hero among travel nerds. But anyway, if you haven't listened to Extra Pack of Peanuts, go over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Look them up, Extra Pack of Peanuts, and subscribe. You can also find out what else they've got going on in this travel world that they've created at their website, extrapackofpeanuts.com. Now, the brewery we were at, Hidden River Brewing Company, in Douglasville, Pennsylvania, opened on Thursdays at 4 o'clock, Fridays at 4 o'clock. Saturday and Sunday, they open at 2 p.m. I look forward to getting back there. Uh, Great beer. Fantastic food, too, by the way. Uh, Great staff. Uh, I want to get back there and talk to Doug. He is the man in charge, and uh, I want to hear the story of Hidden River Brewing Company. You can learn more about them over on Facebook at Hidden River Beer, or you can check out their website, hiddenriverbrewing.com. Hey, ha, da 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 da, yeah. Ha, hey. Cardi on scale of buco. What's the rumpus? Now it's time for What's the Rumpus with Tony. What's going on in the world of craft brewing? Hey, everybody. Coming to you from Patty Malone's Irish Pub in Jefferson City, Tony Rehagen and I, uh, sitting down, we're talking about our favorite breweries from the past year. Um, Tony just happened to be home over the weekend with some family stuff, and so we were able to get together. And uh, anyway, good. I'm glad you can make it. This is much better than talking over the phone. Totally agree. You know, Happy to be here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's end of the year. I thought it'd be a good, good idea, good time. We could just look at some of our favorite breweries now but i set some parameters because i will be honest every brewery that i had on the show every place that i went this year they were all fantastic so my parameters were i wasn't going to do anything over twenty-five thousand barrels or anything under ten thousand. so these medium-sized craft breweries number one uh, and then i and, and let's just face it the big guys like sweetwater dogfish head boulevard surly yeah new glarus they have more resources so they can have more amenities for visitors to the brewery. Yep. Uh, and the smaller guys, they don't have as many resources, so they, they're, they're, their amenities towards the, uh, 
the middle-sized breweries, they don't compare. So we'll do those in the future, small breweries, large breweries. Right now we're looking at medium-sized craft breweries, or I am anyway, from around the United States. Same, yeah, no, I, I, I chose mostly uh, under 20,000, I mean all under 20,000. Um, and yeah, for, for a variety of different reasons, like, yeah, like it could be the, the tiebreaker was always the quality of the beer, but I mean, it could, right. be, it could all come down to timing. You know, when you're there, the, the atmosphere under which you're there, in fact, there are a couple of there on here where it was just, I was there at the, at the cherry time where I was right. a VIP and it was awesome. I understand. And I'm the same way. Um, a couple of these, I mean, they're just memorable, memorable experiences and I'm just going to have to go back. Um, there's uh, one in here that I've visited more than a few times and I've seen it improve over the years nice. and so and like you said the good beer I mean that's kind of the cost of admission right. in the craft beer scene now if you're not making good beer you're not going to be around very long so they're all of the breweries that I visited this year had fantastic beer these are just like five of my favorite experiences and I'll let you go first with your number five. Well, my number five is kind of a, it's a, it's a swan song. It's a, it's a goodbye because uh, this place isn't going anywhere, but I used to live, I was living in Atlanta for about five years. And my number five is Wild Heaven, uh, which is in Avondale Estates, which is on the east side of the city. And it's not closing down. In fact, it's doing the exact opposite, but it's about ready to go from 11,000 barrels a year, which is where it is now, to building a facility that next year we'll put it at 50,000. Like it's exploding. Wow. Which is great for it. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'll continue to drink the beer because they're still very steadfast in the independent ownership method. But uh, what I love about them was is when I moved down to Atlanta, uh, Georgia is just way behind because of pr- right. Prohibition era Well, laws. that's kind of the South in yeah. general. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I mean, and, and they just now, I mean, the whole reason that they're expanding is because they just repealed the law to allow uh, you to, to sell beer at the point of, of creation. Like, right. that, that was not, that was against the law, yeah. like, up to a couple months ago. Yeah, Sweetwater, when I was talking to them, I mean, they, one of the ways they got around it is you bought a glass. Right. Right? That's mm-hmm. how you bought a glass, and they had to give you the beer for free. They just put the beer in it, yeah. yeah. right, All right. glass has got, this got beer yeah, in it. right. Yeah. But, I mean, when I, when I first got to, and Sweetwater was the major presence when I first got to Atlanta. That was about 2011. Um, and I wasn't into those hop, the hoppy beers. I mean, Sweetwater's great at the hoppy beers. That's what they do. But Wild Heaven had these a Belgian-style golden ale and an Ode de Mercy Imperial Brown with coffee um, that was just awesome. And it still was awesome. I was there in January for a friend's birthday, my friend John Lake, uh, his 40th birthday. We went down there. And it's just it's a cool old warehouse. It's kind of open air. There are barrels everywhere. You still enjoy these great craft beers. They've expanded, obviously, in styles. They haven't got as much into the IPAs. They still stick to the Belgian style, the farmhouse stuff. Um, but what's cool about that place is it's just a hub. Because what's interesting, again, about Georgia is, like, it's the ninth most populous state, but it's the 48th in breweries per capita. So, like, there's just there's just rare opportunities to find this in, in Georgia. And I was just great to be, it was great to be home for a little bit and great to experience that brewery and serving the great beers that, that they always had. What was the name again? Uh, Wild Heaven. Wild Heaven. Yep. That's Tony's number five. That's my number five. My number five also comes from the south. And these guys, I've been drinking their beer a long time because we've had it available here in Missouri. But uh, from Kiln, Mississippi, the hometown of Brett Farr, Lazy Magnolia Brewing Company. Mm. And uh, the reason it's probably number five and it's not higher on the list, well, the reason it's on the list is the people there are fantastic. Leslie and Mark have got a great, great, uh, uh, great, great employees, staff, uh, they're really both just really friendly people. And their story is amazing. A married couple, they opened the year before 
Katrina. Oh, wow. And oh. Katrina nearly wiped them out. And to have Mark, I'm going to have him back on the show because I didn't have him on the show. Uh, Leslie is who I interviewed. But I'm going to have him back on the show sometime to tell us about that experience. It, it, it's really kind of almost gut-wrenching to hear him say it. But fantastic beers. Their tap room is a little bit behind the uh, curve. And that's because recently you couldn't have a tap room in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And um, they, so I think it was just in the last year to 18 months, they've been able to have their own tap room. And it's, it's a nice open area. And I can see, you know, there's work going around. They're trying to get the more comfortable elements into the, uh, into the tap room. So anyway, that's my number five. And that was episode number 21 this year, Lazy Magnolia Brewing. For number four, uh, it's in Missoula, Montana. It's uh, Draftworks, um, and it was just a great, just a great, great uh, little brew pub up there. Uh, Missoula is a college town. Uh, University of Montana is up there, um, or Montana University. I'm going to get that wrong. It's University of Montana, I think. I, I, that's what I figured. But uh, just what I loved about it was it was for some reason train tracks really attracted me. It's right by the train tracks in this little, very walkable little college town, and they just had a great assortment of beers. They had like uh, a great Mexican chocolate porter. They had this uh, Pineapple Express, which was awesome, this, this tropical IPA, um, and they, they had it with coconut. Like, they just had, they, they just kind of went crazy, and they, they, they can a lot of these beers, but um, they just had a wild variety, which was great, you know, kind of up there in the, in the remoteness of, of Missoula. Um, the facility was great, too. You could tell that the, the bartenders and the, uh, the servers really knew their beer. Like, right. anytime I asked them, they knew exactly what to steer me to according to my flavor. And it was like, I mean, it was in the afternoon on a, on a weekday um, during happy hour. We were packed, and they still gave me the great attention. One thing I'll always remember is that right. attention. They, they, they zeroed in. They, right. the, the bar was bustling, and they still, like, cued into my, to my, to my taste profile. Right. So, yeah, Draftworks. Draftworks, Missoula, Montana. Yep. My number four is also from the south, from Nashville, Tennessee, Yazoo mm-hmm. Brewing Company. Yeah. And Linus Hall is the uh, proprietor there. And uh, first off, Nashville is booming. So if you want to go someplace and have a good time, yeah. Great city. Na- Nashville is And this area that they're in is really, really, uh, when they bought the place there, it was kind of a downtrodden warehouse area now the 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 uh the hipsters have kind of exploded is it around east it. nashville yeah 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 it's like the yeah. brooklyn of right. nashville right and uh and i just happened i was there and i was with uh um greg reichardt and his partner uh greg and uh tom reichardt's a mutual friend of tony's and mine uh but greg and and then also my buddy brooks his sister sloan she lives there and they came out with me and we went there and a couple of greg's friends or sloan i you know folks and we, we just had a good time and they were very accommodating uh you know they got uh it's got a real kind of electric feel to it in in that uh, in that area and then the tap room is very industrial but it matches you know, it matches the the it matches the area, it matches the neighborhood, and uh, I got you a six pack of their yep. Sioux, yep. that smoked uh, porter, that yeah. smoked beer. It's fantastic. Uh, it was so good, and I'm out of it now, and so I got to go back. But the other they had their Sly Rye porter was also good. Had that. They had, um, um, but they had a Berliner Weiss that was just 
abs and this was hot in summers when I was there and it was just absolutely delicious thirst quenching and everything so yeah number four Linus Hall and uh, Linus Hall at Yazoo Brew Works that's episode number 13 from this past year Great. My, yeah, my number my number three, again, we talked about all about timing, and this was all about timing. I mean, not, not that the beer wasn't good, not that the place wasn't good, but, like, it was basically, it was, a, it was a weekday. I was driving back from a story that I was working on at the Rosebud uh, Lakota Reservation in central South Dakota. So I had driven all the way across the state um, to get to Sioux Falls to catch my flight. I was a little early, so I decided to look up what was, what was around. Uh-huh. This uh, Remedy Brewing Company happened to be the one that opened up at 11 as opposed to noon, so I had time. <laughs> so I jumped in. I was the only person there. The bartender, she was fantastic. Like, basically, I ordered a flight as as I do to kind of try as most the most beers possible. Right. Had some great beers, and nobody else showed up. I mean, I was the only person in the entire place. So she was basically like, "You want another flight?" I'm like, "Of course, I want another flight." So I did another flight. That was the eight beers. It was a four four beer flight, and then by the, by the end of it, she was just like, "You know what? There's like there are three beers you haven't tried. Here here are the three beers." Like, so I basically tried the entire menu. Uh, it was fantastic. Um, some things that stood out was their Queen Bee, which is their Imperial Cream Ale, which actually kind of tasted, had a little bit of honey on it. Um, but they also had a, a, a Nitro Cow Tippa, which is like a, a, yeah. a sweet stout, which was fantastic. And again, just, just a great place. Thank God for Uber to get me to the airport, and because and, <laughs> I had sweat observation, because I was just going to get a flight and, and kind of be okay. Um, but I, I was less than okay. I was, I was definitely sedated for the flight uh, <laughs> when, when the Uber driver got me to the airport. But, yeah, no, it was, again, all about timing and great service and just a great great atmosphere down in downtown Sioux Falls. So that is Remedy Brewing Company, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Correct. My number three is an old friend, and I've watched this guy from the day he opened his doors until now, and I couldn't be more proud to be associated with this brewery, not only that we sell it here at the pub, but also uh, just a great friend. And that's Jeff Schrag and Mother's Brewing Company of Springfield, Missouri. Uh, Jeff started out uh, a few years ago. That's episode number one. That was uh, the first show I did. I wanted to include him because I saw how he had built his business up. And, you know, he... They make some fantastic beers. You know, a lot of places they'll have their, they'll have a pale ale, they'll have an IPA, they'll have a stout, they'll have a brown. And that, when he got started, that's kind of the way it was in Missouri with a lot Mm -hmm. of these breweries, Boulevard being the major exception. They were doing all kinds of stuff all over the spectrum. But Jeff, you know, that was one of his goals when he first got started. I want to make different kinds of beer. And so that, uh, yeah. And they've got a great outdoor s- spot there. I don't know if you've been there, but they have these music festivals and then they have backyard, uh, I think it's backyard Sundays in which, you know, come and people play games, horseshoes. Rocktoberfest. Yeah, Rocktoberfest. They've got a great outdoor venue. They're really a part of the uh, Ozark Empire community down there. And what's amazing is, you know, a lot of people don't know this about Springfield. It is the headquarters for the National Assembly of God's uh, churches. And uh, But uh, what's iron, I don't know if I would say ironic, but it's that, you know, the community there is very Bible Beltish, but they've, uh, they've found their niche there. And people that, Jeff says, you know, people that normally probably wouldn't go to a bar because of the... Uh, 
because of the, what entails going to a bar, they'll come down to the tap room and have a beer, you know, it's because because it's a part of the community. For sure. So that's it. Episode number one, number three on my list of top five uh, medium-sized breweries this year, Mother's Brewing Company, Springfield, Missouri. Absolutely. No, I'm really impressed with how they've broken into the St. Louis market, too. They are all over yeah. St. Louis. They, they just boom. And you're enjoying their uh, New England IPA, Chug the Suckle. Chug I had a lot of those last night, <laughs> and... Uh, so I'm I'm having uh, some water. So anyway, <laughs> cheers. So, number two for you. Number two is kind of what I consider my quote hometown microbrewery unquote, and it's actually the hometown of my wife uh, in Des Moines, Iowa. Um, it's Confluence uh, Brewing Company, which is just a great little place out by Gray's Lake, um, in this warehouse district. It's out in the middle of kind of nowhere in the middle of the city, but it's in this little pocket, and it's just a great little brew pub to walk in. Uh, they have a great little tap room, and they just do great experimental beers. Like they had uh, their Extinction event, which is their New England IPA, which is fantastic. Um, I really like latched on to their uh, their uh, blue corn lager, and recently they've done a blue corn cone chilies, which is a mm. spicy lager, which is fantastic. And I've had it aged in tequila barrels, which is even better. Um, <laughs> so they just they just do all kind of great stuff. And the fun thing was is uh, it's kind of like when I break away to go shopping, and I love my in-laws, and they're, they're, they're very dear to me, and I'm, I mean that seriously. I'm not just saying that. But, you know, sometimes we need to get out of the house, and, the, and Grandma's watching the kids. I break away to Confluence. My wife and I will. And I go there, and the, the bartenders are just – they want to know they, – they, they appreciate people who want to try something new because apparently they, they kind of have their standard brands, and they keep trying to put out these new beers. And people in, in Des Moines, which is still a very small city in an right. insulated part of the state – People aren't willing to try new things, so they're really excited to have somebody like me come in and be like, "I want to try everything that I haven't had already." Yeah. And so they'll they'll happily give it to you. Um, they'll look in the back for the last bottle of chili cone, you know, the the cone chilies with, that have been aged in the tequila barrels for you. They'll this that extra little bit of service is that kind of still that small grassroots right. uh, brewing. And Des Moines is a really emergency emerging um, beer community. Oh yeah, especially with uh, you know. Exile, yeah. yeah. I mean, they've got there's a bunch of small breweries that are up and coming. And Exile, I mean, uh, I wanted to go to Confluence when I went through Des Moines on my trip, but they couldn't they couldn't get their right person. They wanted sure. to talk to me, so sure. that's something nice thing about Des Moines. It's only four and a half hours that's away. That's absolutely so, right. right. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's one of my favorite places. Good Confluence Brewing, Des Moines, Iowa. Number two, I'm going to go as far north as I went this year. And that's all the way up to Duluth, Minnesota. It was episode number eight, and that's Bent Paddle Brewing. Ah, great. And, uh, yeah, I first off, they're in an old warehouse. They've got a brand-new state-of-the-art tap room, and it's just really cool. Uh, it's really, really cool. Their offices are upstairs, and that's where we went and had the interview for with Brian Tonis, one of the owners. It's Brian and his wife, Karen, and then their friends, Colin and Laura Mullen. They're the four of them, they're partners in the business. And we went upstairs in their office and you just get this real creative vibe. They've got, the, it's like open cubicles, you know, there's not walls mm -hmm. up in the hole, it's just one big open space. And you just walk up there and you go, yeah, these, these guys are craft brewers. You can just tell it's very creative. And then they've got, they've got a veranda outside and you can look out and you can see Lake Superior and that big that big drawbridge that's there and you can see the the iron ore ships you know mm -hmm. and of course you sit there and you're looking out there and you start thinking of the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald yes. and they have got just fantastic beers uh, I drank I think they had that time it was June it was one of the coldest days 
they, they had seen in June in a long time. And I tried three different hop forward IPAs and they were so good. And they also had a, um, they also had a stout and I had that. And so, yeah, number two, uh, in, uh, Duluth, Minnesota, episode number 18, Bent Paddle Brewing. Now we're down to the finalists. Yep. Okay, who is the winner of the first annual Brews Traveler Cup for medium-sized brewing breweries in the United States for Tony Rehagen's well, choice? Me, medium-sized might be a stretch, but it just it meant so much for me to be there, and you were there with me. Um, it was it was Dick Max over mm. in uh, in Dingle in County. Yeah, that is a stretch. Yeah, that's a stretch to say. I medium. didn't include Dick Max in this for one reason and one reason only. It's in Dingle. Nobody can compete with having a craft brewery and maybe the most beautiful place in Ireland. It is very beautiful. It is absolutely gorgeous. But that is not the reason I picked it, but it, it, it's, it's a very great No, reason. I know why you picked it, and I'm going to let you All say, right. and then I'm going to tell you what I think you were going to say. Well, there's two different reasons why I picked it. Number one was because it, when we got there, it had been... A few days of drinking Irish beer, which I love Irish beer, but it was all very malt forward. It was all very, um, you know, very low low ABV. And I'd heard great tales about this Mocha Stout uh, at Dick Max, which was lived up to the tale. It was excellent. But they had this regular American style IPA, this Togoboye Boge, Togoboge. Togaboge. Togaboge. I had to, it takes me a while. Yeah. Um, but anyway, and it I've been was. Man, I've been mangling the Irish language for 20 years. <laughs> and it just, it was a revelation. It was like, finally, and not only was it like, turn me back, you know, into a beer lover over there, but it was like, it put me onto hops over here. And I've been drinking IPAs ever since I got back. Um, it was just, it was so good. Um, and so it was like a revelation when I was there. But the second reason I chose it is just because it's so exciting to see what's going on over there. Like, it's just so exciting to go over there and see that the, the, the you know, the, craft beer movement is just a little bit behind so you kind of see ourselves 10 years ago and what's going on over there right Fight, fighting the big boys guinness um trying to pick up trying to trying to find footholds for this market right and these guys are doing it and uh, they're doing it from the ground up in this place and they, they seem to be getting a good response for it like uh but the beer was fantastic and they really believe in what they're doing and it's just it was really cool to kind of see that at the at the ground level right and experience that right I think, and you basically covered everything, which I think makes them outstanding. But um, Austin knows his, sh mm -hmm. he, yeah, he knows his stuff, and he's he's dedicated. He's dedicated. He and Finn, who own, who's the owner and manager of Dick Max Pub, they have made a commitment that they are going to try to make beers that nobody else in Ireland is trying to make. Yep. And I really commend them for that. They are. They're the pioneers over there. Yeah, they've had craft beer for a while, but like you said, it's mostly it's been malt forward. It's been there's there's an amber ale, there's a pale ale, there's a, a stout. Yep. Yeah, you know everybody's doing the same thing, and uh, I really commend uh, Austin Barrett and all the folks there at Dick Max and Dingle. That's Tony's number one for 2018. So what's your number one? My number one is another beer that I've been quite familiar with for a number of years, and I've been drinking their product uh, for as long as I've been able to get a hold of it. That doesn't really, that's not really why it's number one. It's really number one is where it's at, and it's Santa Fe Brewing Company. Nice. And if you've ever, the Vistas from the brewery, 
out there are just spectacular. Now, again, they make great, great beers. That 7K IPA, I think, is the best. It's a, it's not quite a West Coast. It's not quite. It's kind of a hazy, but it's still floral and citrusy. Uh, it's not, it's not real astringent and piney. It's right, it's right in the middle. It's a good medium IPA, and it's called 7K because it's seven uh, percent mm-hmm. uh, ABV. It's 70 IBUs, and it's brewed at 7,000 feet. Nice. And it's, 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 it's a great beer. But their beer that I've been in love with for a very, very long time is their Java Stout. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's really good. And Bert, you know, he as far as a brewer goes, man, he is into it. He he knows his stuff. He's, he's paid his dues. He's been in the business a long time. Jarrett Bavinsack, who's their marketing guy, uh, is, you know, he's top-notch. He's been here to the pub. Great guy. But the thing that most impressed me about Santa Fe Brewing Company is when Marilee and I pulled up, there's a guy out there, and he is trimming the weeds with the weed eater. And uh, there was nobody. I, the doors were locked. I couldn't get in, and I had an appointment. And I went over to him, and I said, hey, I've got an appointment with Jarrett Babinsack. And he goes, oh, let me text him. And he sent him text. He said, he'll be right down to get you. And then, so when I went in, Jared said, well, I see you met the owner. You know, Brian Locke is the <laughs> owner. Awesome. And, yeah, he does maintenance around the place. Uh, and he, he, It's just their cantina that they've built. Uh, they, they've got a small tap room inside the brewery. But right across the parking lot is this cantina. And it's, it just reminds you of something out of old Mexico. You know, it's got the, it's got the wooden palisade outside and the, and the, the, uh, the post the wooden post and just the adobe look of it all. It's just really a neat place. Great beers and a great experience. That was show number two, episode number two, Santa Fe Brewing Company of Santa Fe, New Mexico. So that's it. Uh, that's, that's my top five and Tony's top five. I would like to give an honorable mention uh, to Civil Life Brewing oh, yeah. in St. Louis. Uh, those guys, they're a little bit below the ten, the ten thousand barrel that uh, I, I I gave myself as a parameter, ten to twenty and or so. But uh, they uh, they make some great beers. They really do, and and they're and they're good guys. And uh, so if you're in the St. Louis area and you don't support a civil life, you should. But again, back to what I said at the top, uh, all of the breweries we visited in 2018 were fantastic. You know, it's just, this is just a kind of a fun thing to do to go down and recollect where we've been and what we've been drinking. Absolutely. So, yeah, any any uh, final thoughts from you? Nope, I just can't wait until 2019 starts and we can start doing it some more. <laughs> That's right. Well, it'll be here next week. It will be. All right. Thanks, Tony. Thank you, Alan. All right. That's it. You've been listening to The Brews Traveler. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or check out our blog on website, thebrewstraveler.com. Cheers. And cheers to all of you out there. I hope you had a wonderful, wonderful 2018, and I hope 2019 is just as good for you. Thanks again for listening this year. Uh, please follow us over on Facebook and Instagram at The Brews Traveler Podcast. The official soundtrack to the Bruce Travelers provided to us by our great friends, Gaelic Storm. If you want to see what they've got going on in 2019, check out their website, gaelicstorm.com. Marketing consultation is provided by Mission Digital Marketing. 
So I'm at home for a couple more weeks before I get on the road again, and I'll see you right back here next week on the podcast. Take care of each other. Take care of the earth. It's everything we've got. And Merrily, as always, honey, I love you. Another year together. You are the measure of my dreams. So, Happy New Year, everyone, and so long for just a while. Come away, come away with the trouble and shore. Come away with the raggle taggle gypsy your wheel. Raggle taggle here, we'll raggle taggle there. Raggle up and don't taggle everywhere. From the north, from the south, from the east to the west. Well, the sky is a roof and the road is a rest. No one say yes, no one say no. Run free with the raggle taggle gypsy yo. For a wag like me, I'll be sticking to the gate. I'll be picking on the corner. Well, I've come to take your daughter. Don't you say it in one year. Picking you a fiddle, I'll be singing you a song. We'll fiddle, sing, sing, fiddle all day long. And the halls and the walls, they will hear us sing and say, Oh, back for the diddle, diddle, die, diddle day. Come on and wave, way out into the water with me. We're drowning on dry land. Come on and wave, way out into the water with me. Jump in and take my hand. General George C. Marshall, American statesman and soldier, chief of staff to Franklin Delano Roosevelt and Harry S. Truman, secretary of state, secretary of defense, architect of the post-World War II Marshall Plan. Born 
December 31, 1880, Uniontown, Pennsylvania. Died October 16, 1959, Washington, D.C.